Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children. Music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. About time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert, I'm your host Ryan Gable, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio, airing five nights a week, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific, on Ground Zero Dot Radio and the Aftermath FM soon-to-be Ground Zero app, which is free to download. You can also search 
The Secret Teachings on any radio or podcast player or application. That could be Apple, that could be Google, etc. And you can listen to the show for free, all of our past episodes, or visit our website at thesecretteachings.info. You'll find all of those links there. Plus, if you want to get rid of the annoying advertisements in those free shows, subscribe to the show on the website. You'll get access to the show, the montages, digital copies of my books, including my new book, Liberty Shrugged. It's all at www.thesecretteachings.info. You'll also get a private RSS feed, so you can plug that into your player and listen to the ad-free show that way, in the same way you would the free archive. If you'd like to contact the show, I don't have a secretary, I don't have an assistant, I don't have a producer, I do all of that, so you'll be contacting me directly if you email rdgable at yahoo.com. That's rdgable at yahoo.com. And if you missed last night's show, or if you'd like to listen to that show again, we had Anthony Tyler on the broadcast. We talked a little bit about the psychology and the subconscious as it relates to Halloween and the Halloween season. The black horse of the apocalypse trampling on the earth, bringing the scales to weigh the soul, the feather against the heart like Anubis or Santa Morte in the Mexican tradition, and the days of the dead, as we talked about with Laura Lavender last week. That show is also in the archive. One thing we discussed with Anthony last night was the difference between negativity and positivity as it relates to some of these holiday or holy day elements. That when you get rid of the negative, and I always pick on Sedona here in Arizona, when you get rid of the negative and you approach life with that very positive, I'm not saying positivity is bad or the new age community, new age beliefs are bad, but when you approach life with this singular Everything is great. Nothing is wrong. It borderlines on the psychological. It borderlines on the arguably psychopathic, I would think. It borderlines on the idea of delusion. Because there are things in life that certainly are bad. And in order to understand what is good and positive, you have to have those bad experiences. Otherwise, you cannot compare and contrast. So if you get rid of what we consider to be the negative and people are like, no, man, just chill out. It's negative. Don't think about that. I get the idea. I get the concept of creating your reality, information, perception, actions. But when you cut off those experiences that you consider to be negative, you're doing yourself a great gross disfavor. Because when you cut off the negative as you perceive it, a lot of those negative things as you perceive it actually can be beneficial and turn into positive things. Last week, I talked about the uh, foundation of the secret teachings, this radio show. And I had to learn over the last 13 years that when you get kicked off radio station after radio station after radio station, you learn that after the first one, uh, you're, you, you know, you, I interpreted it as negative and I didn't know what to do, but it led to something better. And then when I get kicked off, the better station, I led to another better station and another better station. It happened so many times. And that's the thing. If we eliminate negativity as we perceive it, it actually corrupts the positive. And the positive just begins floating in this void of nothingness. And we can't really figure out what is good or bad, although positive, negative, good or bad, right and wrong. These aren't all the same thing. Uh, 
they're similar in terms of polarity, but they're not all the same thing as we talked about with Anthony Tyler last night. So the idea is when you look at, let's say, Halloween, the holiday, holy day season, you have your movies and your haunted houses and we want to be scared. And out here at old Tucson in Arizona, they're having they're finally opening this old Tucson back up where they used to shoot a lot of Westerns and they're doing like a Halloween horror nights and you know, we, we want to be uh, at least frightened or put in the, the Halloween spirit mood. But Halloween isn't really a scary holiday. If you read about and learn about the traditions, like you only leave candy out or food out traditionally. Yes, to ward off evil spirits, but it's more so to welcome your ancestors that cross over when the apocalypse happens. The apocalypse is the unveiling. That's the lifting of the seasonal veil so your ancestors come over you wear nice clothing to welcome them and when you go trick-or-treating you know you engage in the trick or treat the contractual obligation they give you candy or you toilet paper their house it's very similar to santa claus the clause or the contractual obligation if you're good if you're nice you get the presents and if you're naughty if you're bad you get the coal very similar thing. We bring pumpkins for Halloween and other types of gourds and squash, and we bring evergreen trees in for Christmas. It's all very, 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 very similar. So when you have these ideas like trick-or-treating and dressing up in costumes, it's all about welcoming ancestors. It's, it's like the day of the dead uh, or the days of the dead because it's multiple days. And the church basically took those days and they made them into uh, their own thing. All Souls Day, All Saints Day or All Saints Day is the 1st of November, the, the Souls Day is the 2nd, after Halloween. So it's a three-day festival. And when you look at and read and learn about the origins of these things, they're not scary at all. It's, it's quite the opposite. It's honoring life. It's venerating nature. It's not worshiping death. Although, sure, some people do that. In the same way that last Friday, we had Don Lester on the show, and we talked to her about the psychology of the last two and a half years of mainstream media, mainstream medicine, even alternative medicine, alternative media, pushing the narrative of, uh, of, of a virus which is invisible that you can't see that's manufactured through a, a genetic sequence on a computer and how COV, SARS-CoV-2, COV is only now being replaced with CO2. They're just removing the V and they're replacing it with a 2. So CO2 is just like COV. It's invisible. You shouldn't be exhaling it. You need to cover your mouth. Stay inside. Don't build anything. Don't have a business. Don't have a family. It's very dangerous. It could hurt other people. And it's the same psychological talking points. All these things seem really scary. Halloween seems scary. The negative seems scary. SARS-CoV-2 sounds scary. Some people even think CO2 is scary. But when you really learn about these things and understand them, it's not scary at all. It's quite the opposite of scary. And I find it to be very positive and very enlightening. You know, it's really easy to think that every single day is going to be worse than the last one. And that Earth is going to fall apart and we're all going to die. And it's going to be this giant Armageddon, apocalypse, end of the world, Mad Max, dystopian, Resident Evil type of a thing. But it's not. And that doesn't mean that there aren't really evil people. It doesn't mean there's not psychopaths. It doesn't mean that there aren't injustices. There are. But 
it's really the flow of information that matters because if we constantly are consuming information that creates a narrative and alters our perspective to view that narrative as reality, well, then that changes our actions and our behavior. So what ends up happening is you watch the mainstream media, conservative and, quote, liberal, and they tell you all about viruses and vaccines. But if you turn over to the alternative media, they do a very similar thing. They're telling you just a different perspective, a different narrative. And very few are discussing the things that we discuss with Don Lester on Friday. You look at Halloween. Everybody just celebrates Halloween and finds it fun. And we talk about our favorite horror movies from the 80s. And all that's great. But there are very few that discuss Halloween in the context of being a very positive, enlightening, soulfully beneficial holy day. And, and these things are important because life really isn't as bad as we are led to perceive through information. So I think for some of you who are not listening in the United States, obviously you might not have this perspective, but in the United States we have a population that regardless of the color of your skin and regardless of uh, even if you've gone to college or how you grew up, generally speaking, and, and particularly speaking in most cases, you are in the top five to top one percent of the world in terms of wealth, in terms of opportunity, in terms of access to food and other types of resources. When you think about Occupy Wall Street, which was highly co-opted, and they were talking about the one percent, you are the one percent as an American. And if you're talking by implication about big wealthy bankers and the Rothschilds and Rockefellers and the Henry Kissingers and people like this, the movers and shakers, the billionaires, the people that are not on the Fortune 500 list or the wealthiest men and women in the world, those people make up way less than 1%. As Americans, we are generally speaking in the, the, the top percentage of wealth and opportunity in the world. So weird things happen. For example, you go to a grocery store. And they don't have your favorite piece of fruit. And so since they don't have your favorite piece of fruit, depending on what your political view is, you're going to view that as if you're a conservative, it's Joe Biden's fault because of supply chain issues. That's why they don't have your favorite piece of fruit. If you're a, quote, liberal, because I don't even know what those people are anymore. It's Democrats leaving the Democratic Party and then liberals, which are just communist Marxist fascists. But, quote, liberal, to be nice, you see them not having your favorite piece of fruit as Trump's fault or the result of climate change. You don't think about how maybe that fruit just isn't in season or how you're trying to buy a piece of fruit that's very exotic in a part of the country that doesn't even have a lot of uh, fruit that isn't so exotic. Perspective matters a lot. It's either Biden's fault or it's Trump's fault or it's climate change. And it's like, no, maybe other people came in before you and bought that fruit. Maybe it's not the season for that fruit. And you, you go to, I mean, I worked at a grocery store, so I experienced some of this stuff. You, you tell people, well, the last shipment of lettuce that came in, it was very wilted. And, uh, well, why was it so wilted? Well, it's either because it's old and they sent us the wrong thing. You know, they sent us something someone else had returned or 
They sent us something that the farmers have been having trouble because uh, of some heat. Oh, that has to be climate change. It's like, no, it happens every single year. And it's happened. I mean, if you've ever been to a produce department, things wilt. It's not climate change, but that's the perspective that people have. Or it's all supply chain issues. Because we have so much abundance and we have so much wealth, we don't have any perspective on what it's like to live in other parts of the world where you don't have an abundance of things like this. You don't have an abundance of food, of opportunity, of resources. So you should be happy. But you shouldn't be content with real supply chain issues that are synthetic and artificial, that are a result of not a virus and not of Vladimir Putin. They're not a result of the virus forcing us to lock down and shut businesses down or Vladimir Putin invading a sovereign country. We should be concerned because of the artificiality and the syntheticness of those supply chain issues and products not coming into the store, etc., but we should also be grateful that we still live in a country where even though there's massive supply chain issues, things still really aren't that bad because, I mean, the last 30 times I went to the store, I, I go to the store almost every day to get fresh stuff for dinner, uh, there's been an abundance of food. And I've, I think maybe a handful of times since I've moved to Arizona, there's, there's not been one specific thing I've been looking for at the store. So we need to have a perspective based on the information that is objective and non-politically biased in order to understand that we have it really, 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 really good. But that doesn't mean we should be content when bad things happen. Likewise, when you have this idea of uh, certain people having privilege, right? You have this idea of certain people having privilege, and the way that it's addressed and approached is if you have privilege, you should dismiss it. You, you, you should apologize for it. Well, let's just say for a second that the people who say that were right, that you do have privilege because of the color of your skin or something. Well, that should actually still be a good thing because you should be using your privilege, your wealth and all the things that I guess you get with this. You should be using that to help other people. You should be using your privilege to lift other people up in the same way that here in Tucson, uh, it's pretty bad, but I know up in, I was just talking with uh, Wes from Conspirifact, Wes and Bill, uh, another uh, show, you podcast you can find from Aftermath uh, Media, Ground Zero. And uh, we were talking about Portland because that's where they are. And then up in Seattle, we were talking about the uh, Seattle Kraken and their new logo, uh, their lo- not logo, their new um, mascot, which is a troll. We were talking about how bad the homelessness was up there. And politicians up there, politicians down here in Tucson, they coddle and incentivize homelessness and drug use. And you, you start to think, if, if you do think, why, why, why are they coddling and incentivizing homelessness? You know, and if you say, we need to get rid of the homelessness issue, we need to solve that. They say, oh, you hate homeless people. It's like, no. Do you want people to live like that? Do you want people to live in those conditions? Because incentivizing that is very discriminatory. It's very elitist. Trying to help people get out of those positions, that's what's positive. It's not negative to say, hey, we should clean up the garbage and clean up the homelessness issue. Or as George Carlin said, it's houselessness. You know, a home is an idea. House is really what people lack. So these are things that we need to understand from 
the flow of information and the perspective that we gain from it, we need to recognize that we have it really good, but we shouldn't be content when certain things are artificially made bad or synthetically made bad. And that goes from food to, well, weather, for example. You never hear, I mean, you hear CNN, Fox News, the Weather Channel, and they all push the same narrative, although the Weather Channel admittedly pulls back a lot from that, uh, at least from the coverage of Hurricane Ian in Florida. But they, they tell us that all of the hurricanes, all the storms, things are always worse. There's floods in other countries and fires, and there's hurricanes, and there's, there's natural disasters, and there's all, all these horrible things happening. And, and sure, yes, those things are happening. But is it natural for those things to happen? And how do you define natural? Is there, is there a difference between what is normal and what is natural? A, a hurricane can be natural, but it might not be normal. But what is normal? Normal is only something that is, is accepted as being reality. It's consistent. But things change. So you might have some hurricane seasons that are worse than others. And in the midst of these discussions, nobody ever brings up the hurricane amplification and modification program. Nobody brings up Project Popeye, Project Storm Fury. Nobody brings up Vietnam and weather modification. The Chinese clearing the skies for the Olympics or the Chinese expanding their weather program. I think they have a raise the size of like, what was it, Alaska or something or maybe even bigger than that now. That's I think Forbes magazine published that years ago. Why are we not talking about these things? It's climate change. Well, what about Bill Gates? He was over in some of the, um, I think it was, was it Sweden or something? They were going to spray basically chalk dust. And the government said, no, no, you're not going to do that. They went down to Mexico and sprayed sulfur. I mean, that alters the environment. That's, I mean, literally when you spray these particulates, that traps heat. That's going to cause warming. That's man-made global warming. But that's not something that anybody wants to talk about. And, of course, the alternative independent media tends to go a little bit too far with it. Uh, so far that well, we've got a lot of the alternative independent media now just just passing and glossing over that. And they're just like, actually, it's all a lie. Uh, the moon is a light bulb. The sun's a light bulb. And the earth is uh, in a snowflake uh, like the Grinch. And, hey, maybe it is. I don't know. But, but, but the issue is, when you think about things like weather, we're told things are so bad, so horrible, just like everything else in life. But the reality is actually quite the opposite. We're actually much safer from these things today. Just like we have, you know, I, I, don't, know if, I don't know if anybody's ever looked at the statistics, but they're pretty simple and easy to look up. There are less people in poverty today. There is more food in the world today, despite the fact that there's perceptual huge wealth gaps and since there's so many people, we would think we have less food. But the reality is we actually have more food today. There are less people in poverty and people are wealthier across the board. I mean, you might not be Jeff Bezos wealthy, but even in the United States, if you live even like I do, I make like a thousand dollars a month on this show, which is unreal because the show is censored and blocked almost everywhere. I can't make 10 grand a month on advertisements like some shows do, but even a thousand dollars a month, like Personally, it's hard, but I can kind of get by with that. And, and I'm, I'm blessed to even have that. I still have a roof over my head. It's still nice where I live. You know, I, I, I still have, I, st- I can still go out and buy food. And like, it's not, it's not great, but 
in comparison with 90 plus percent of the rest of the world, I'm living large. That's that's what it means to be an American. Uh, you know, you think of things like life expectancy. You know, in 1920, life expectancy was 36 years across the world on average. Life expectancy has literally doubled in the last century. Think about that. With life expectancy doubling and with more people, we can get into the, the discussion of how many people, but that's not really relevant. More people double the life expectancy. And yet today, less than one-tenth of the world lives in poverty. A century ago, three-quarters of the world lived in poverty. That should be mainstream news every day. 75% of the world lived in poverty, and the entire world lived on average of about 36 years. That was an average around the world. Now, in developed countries, it's, it's longer, of course, but the average has doubled. Doubled. That's huge. People have gone from being in poverty three out of four to one-tenth. You know, that's huge. I mean, look at things like illiteracy. We tend to take this for granted. We can read, you know, articles and read stuff on our phones. and But people are way more literate today than they were just 50 years ago. That's huge. And it's something that we should not take for granted. We don't even think about it. Why is that? I mean, because that's positive, right? And since it's positive, well, it doesn't get the same kind of attention. In the last 50 years, 75 years, somewhere since the 1950s, literacy has increased from 36% to 86%. That's huge. That's huge. One-tenth compared to 75% now live in poverty. Literacy has more than doubled around the world. Life expectancy has doubled. And the list goes on and on and on and on. Scientists also just found recently that, hey, the coral cover of the Great Barrier Reef is at the highest recorded level, uh, level since records began in 1985 for two-thirds of it. We have less damage caused from hurricanes uh, based on GDP. There's 26,000 polar bears today as opposed to the 1960s. There were five to 10,000. More people die from cold than heat. Something to think about. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. More after this. Stay with us. The Secret Teachings radio show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. I hope that you'll check out my new book, Liberty Shrugged. I wrote Liberty Shrugged to provide historical context and to dispel many of the myths that we learn about in American history. Inside the nearly 700-page book, you'll learn about meritocracy, the differences between civil liberties and civil rights, and how Western civilization didn't start slavery, but ended it as an institution that had existed for thousands of years. How many of the founding fathers did indeed own slaves, but what was peculiar about this was that these men would fight to end the institution for a variety of reasons. 
We look at the real causes of the American Revolution and the American Civil War. We prove without a doubt that slavery was in no way, shape, or form the cause of current socioeconomic issues which affect all people regardless of their color. In other words, this book dispels countless divisive social, cultural, and historical myths in an attempt to objectively find humble gratefulness in the American experience. Get your copy of Liberty Shrugged at thesecretteachings.info in softcover or digital. This is David Icke from davidike.com, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. From Ground Zero to The Secret Teachings, keep your dial tuned to Ground Zero Radio. Want to hear more of The Secret Teachings radio show? Search for the show on any radio or podcast player, or find links and a free archive at thesecretteachings.info. If you want to get rid of those annoying ads and get extra perks like access to the montage archive, digital copies of Ryan's books, and early access to the show, then subscribe to the full show archive at thesecretteachings.info. Visit the website and click the button that says subscribe. You can do so monthly, yearly, or through a one-time donation. Your support always keeps the secret teachings on the air. If you enjoy the secret teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. You know, life really isn't that bad, but your perspective on that depends on the information that you receive. You know, for anybody who thinks that all of these statistics and all of this data and all of these things are just opinion or it's made up or it's you can find a study to prove anything. Well, that's fine. I'll listen to I'll hear that argument. But what I don't understand is how you have major groups like The IPCC, for example, the IPCC says that climate change is irreversible, that we're all basically going to die. It's all falling apart. NASA tends to confirm this. You have uh, climate change groups, uh, the U.S. National Climate Assessment, all these groups that say these things. But then when you read their documents, it actually says something completely different. And If you read some of the stuff the IPCC has published, they actually admit in their own papers that flooding is not getting worse. Uh, You read, uh, uh, there's a Nature article just published recently looking at the history of hurricanes, and they found that uh, there's no increase in uh, the the, uh, Atlantic hurricane and major hurricane frequency. And a, a lot of it is just the perspective of, what's considered deadliest, what's considered worst, what's considered most severe. It's all relative. It's all arbitrary. It's based on classifications of wind speed or sustained winds or pressure, rainfall, tornadoes, all these things. And, and, and you know, a hurricane hitting in one place 
might cause the highest storm surge ever recorded there, but not if you went 20 miles up the coast. It's all about context. And context matters a whole lot, especially when we're using this information to fundamentally reshape not only people's minds, but society, culture, and civilization in general. And that's when, for me, this this becomes a recognition of something that is conspiratorial. It's a conspiring to do something that's dark, that is evil, for lack of a better word. But, you know, meanwhile, poverty has been reduced since the 1950s from uh, around a half to three quarters of the world's population, somewhere between there, to about one-tenth. Literacy has increased from 36 to 86% in that same time frame. Life expectancy in the last 100 years doubled. This is all really important stuff. And it's something that I think that we need to think about. Tonight on the broadcast, my good friend and co-host is going to be joining me. His name is Jack. Some of you may know Jack. I don't think Jack's been here very often since we've come over to Ground Zero, but Jack is with me on the line right now. Jack's co-hosted for about four years. Jack, thanks for coming on the show tonight. I wanted to have you on because you and I are always talking about positivity and negativity and information and perspective. How are you? What are your thoughts? I'm doing pretty well. I have to be positive. Right, you you do. That's the prerequisite for coming I, on the show. I'm doing tonight. wonderful, Ryan. I'm I'm so happy that I'm doing cartwheels down the middle of the street. But, well, uh, well, that seems excessive. But I think this is the second time I've been on with you uh, since you've been on Ground Zero, and I think I've been co-hosting for more than four years, probably about six. Has it been six years already? I think so. Yeah, time flies. I guess indeed it does. So with everything that I've gone over so far, uh, regardless of what people think about statistics or studies, the fact is a lot of these things are indisputable. They're coming from official sources. We just don't hear about them. Everything is focused on the exact opposite of the positive advancements of human civilization. Official sources? Yes, official sources. We should always question official sources. Well, I am questioning official source, <laughs> sources, Jack. That's why when, when I find that the statistical data from even the United Nations or the IPCC says the opposite of what their mainline political talking points are, I get really confused. Yes. Well, it's by design. Keep us all confused. Well, confused and also with confusion, uh, because you don't have enough information, it controls your perspective and your behavior and that results in the type of cultural things and cultural clashes that we have today. But I mean, would you say, I mean, poverty has been reduced greatly since the 1950s. That's a positive thing, right? Less people are in poverty with more people in the world who have longer life expectancies. That's positive. I, th- I think it is. But again, you know me, I, I just question all these statistics and studies and whatnot. But it, it really kind of depends on... Uh, is the glass half full or glass half empty? And uh, your analogy towards Sedona, I get that, you know, you can't just be um, delusional. So it's it's an interesting topic on how, how people want to perceive the world in which we live. So then let me ask you this. 1985, scientists started looking at the Great Barrier Reef. Since 1985, this year or last year into this year, two-thirds of it has the highest coral cover ever. 
That's officially from the scientists who study it. However, yes. however, the mainstream media and all the climate groups, they say that the Great Barrier Reef is dying and almost dead. But the official, yes. the official narrative is actually it's bigger in most parts than it ever has been, and its recovery yes. time has been increased. So yes, what's happening? I, I think that that's measurable. See, that, that I can go along with because it's within our lifetime. It's 1985, and I think that they can actually you know check the coral reef. But as far as how many polar bears there are and that type of thing, I, I question those numbers, what the you know, population of the world is. So, again, it all comes down to the, the validity of the information that we're provided. And, and uh, I just question all these scientific studies and whatnot to – you know, not to rain on your parade, not to be negative, but I, I just question all these studies and this scientific information. Um, they'll tell you these things, but they never tell you how did they come to that conclusion? What procedure process? Right. They throw this information out there, but it's really not um, detailed as to how they obtain these conclusions. Well, that depends on if you read the studies or not. Some a lot, like scientific studies that are sound and that are peer reviewed, right? You certainly have you know. A, a, I don't have the scientific method. I don't publish papers. I don't have this all in my head. But there's sure. a there's a there's an explanation for how they came to certain conclusions. Now, now I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying completely, Jack. And when you look at let's say, let's look at this Nature article for example. Changes. This is what it's called. Changes in Atlantic major hurricane frequency since the late 19th century. So you look at how many hurricanes have been occurring since we started recording this in the late 19th century. And according to the, the report, which is just based off of the number, a number of hurricanes that have been recorded, uh, it says recorded century scale increases in Atlantic hurricane and major hurricane frequency, which is like category three, four, five. Um, they say the reason that we've seen an increase is only because we've changed our observing practices this has nothing to do with a, quote, true climate trend. So it's about the perspective of how we observe it. That's why we see any perceptual increase. Otherwise, there have not been more hurricanes today than there were 100 years ago. That's how the narrative is crafted. Yeah, it all boils down to trusting the information or, more importantly, trusting the source of the information. Because, again, you know, you can spin anything, and we know that happens. Do you know, have you ever read about how they collect, um, like, like heat data? Do you know where they collect a lot of heat data from? Have you ever read I about this? I have no clue. Okay. So what usually happens, I'm not saying every station, but a lot of the heat data that's collected to tell us how hot the world's getting. Most of it is, and, and, and I get, you know, the, the idea behind why it's done at these locations, but they do this at airports and airports are mostly, I mean, it's concrete, huge right. runways. So, so they basically put these little devices at the airport and you've got jet engines and concrete and that's where you get the heat sense, hum the heat A lot of humans too, right? Lots of humans. Right. So that's 98.6 degrees walking around thousands and thousands <laughs> of people, right? It, depending on the airport, millions of people going through every, yes, every, every uh, couple months. So you, you, that's how, that's how you get the heat data, but and I used to joke about that before I knew that's actually what they did. I said they'd go into New York City, put a carbon dioxide detector up a tailpipe of a taxi and be like, oh, look, there's a lot of carbon dioxide. But then 
if you actually look at the data outside of those places, so if you look at the rural data, the rural data is completely different than the urban data because urban areas tend to be hotter because there's all that concrete and there's all the, the energy usage and, the, and just all sorts of things that are combining to increase the temperature. But when you go to the rural data, meteorologists have pointed out there's not actually a heating trend. And if anything, there's a cooling trend in the overall climate and environment. And if you look at the Earth, Jack, not only is most of the Earth about three quarters water, most of the inhabitable land isn't even inhabited. Most of our, our big cities, are every, everybody lives in concentrated areas. So in other words, outside of the city, the temperature is steady, if not declining. And, and that's 100% factually proven with the official data. But again, it's the focus on here's the city, here's the airport, here's the superheat, because this matches and mimics our narrative. The other data we don't care about. And that's not scientific. That's fraud. Would you consider that uh, this is a conspiracy for these sources? They're looking for negative results? Um, or do you feel, well, I, I know there's reports that, like you've been saying, some some will spin it that it's a positive thing, and then you've got the others that will say that it's negative. It boils down to, are these unbiased studies, research, et cetera? In terms of just the heat or anything in regard uh, to any of these, any of these things that you're talking about, it seems like there's an agenda to present negative information, which of course we do live in a fear mongering society by design. So do you think that this is a, a concentrated effort to take positive information and put a negative spin on it and present that information to the public? Well, yes and no, mostly because they call the media the spin room. So, yes, there is absolutely, I don't even consider it a conspiracy. I think it's just business as usual. I think it's policy. And that's that's what I'm getting at, Jack, when I'm looking at, like, again, the IPCC, which is this, you know, the International Panel for Climate Change, recently was telling us because these floods, I think, they, well, there's Pakistani floods and some other floods. They were saying flooding is getting worse. It's increasing. It's horrible. We're all going to die from floods. But if you read their own reports, this is the same IPCC. If you read the reports, they actually say there's no trend in uh, uh, flooding. And you look at the same reports for, for any other kind of thing, and it's, there's not as many fires. There's not, and even if there are these things happening, it's not affecting us as much because humans adapt to their environment. Um, so here, here's an example maybe to answer your question. Uh, U.S. meteorologist, this guy named Anthony Watts, uh, he's been compiling data from there's a high, there's 114 stations that NOAA, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, that's big, they're big, 114 stations across the country that have been placed away from urban areas. And they call this the U.S. Climate Reference Network, USCRN. Now, the federal government started this in 2005. Now, according to these 114 stations across the United States that are not in urban areas, these are in rural areas, it shows that there was a small period of warming since 2000, which was normal, but that warming has decreased and declined, and over the last 5 to 10 years, the Earth has actually been, based on this reading, has actually been getting slightly cooler. So this is data from NOAA, this is from their, I guess you could say, their, their, their countryside, their rural stations. 
But when the media or when scientists, etc., with political agendas want to look at data that they say, this is from Noah, this is a federal source, this is you could trust this, they do focus on, well, the airports and the urban areas. Yet here are hundreds of other stations that are looking at the rural data and nobody's covering it because it doesn't show a heating trend. It shows the opposite. I, I, I hope that answers your question. So official data is basically being taken and then they just pick what they don't like out of the equation and then they publish right. the data. So it's it's still from an official source, but then when you go read all the data, actually it's missing half of the information, which changes the entirety of the conclusion. Right. It's by intent and uh, it, it keeps us all down because the negative, you know, the focus on negativity and fear, um, we're bombarded by it every day. I, I've recently really tried to make an effort to be positive and to anticipate something, things, not just a thing, things in my life, uh, improving and positive, something, things that are positive happening because we get into the probably, I, I guess I do. And I, I just step back and objectively look at the way that I, that I think, um, you step back and you say, well, you almost get into a mindset of having the other shoe, anticipating the other shoe to drop all the time. You almost start anticipating negative things to happen in your life, obstacles, um, difficulties, etc. Right. Yes. What do you think about that from a psychological standpoint? As, as we know, this is psychological warfare and I, against all of humanity. And I think this plays a big part in that. What do you think? I think it's what one of the presidents of Facebook said, Sean Parker. He said that Facebook was designed to exploit a, well, he called it a vulnerability, exploit a vulnerability in human psychology. And so I don't think that basic human nature is the issue. It's the exploitation of basic human nature, which is when you get into a pattern or what people call a rut and you start to see things from that perspective, you're always waiting for the other shoe to drop, Yeah. Uh, then that's a natural thing we do. And I, I think <laughs> philosophy and psychology and trying to understand the, the inner side of ourself, knowing thyself throughout thousands of years has been aimed at addressing those uh, potential issues and becoming, quote, better human beings, becoming more enlightened, etc., um, so then when you have people that understand how the human works, like, you know, that people naturally animalistically, people need shelter, water, food, sex, etc. Well, what do companies use to advertise that they advertise with food and sex and they advertise and politicians tell you that, oh, we'll make sure that your your rent's cheaper and we'll get you money off food. And they just every little element of what makes us human is exploited. I'm not saying all politicians are doing that because they're evil, but it's exploited to uh, advance a corporate narrative, a corporate agenda, a political narrative, a political agenda, et cetera. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it generally lowers our vibration. Now you're speaking from my that, Sedona language. Level. You're speaking well, Sedona language. <laughs> but, we, but we know that every everything vibrates. Of course. Scientifically of course. proven. And we're trying to raise our vibration. Well, when you're constantly bombarded with negativity, it's going to, your frequency is, is going to, it's not going to elevate. Right. I was just laughing when you were talking there because, uh, 
we should be anticipating, you know, the two of us have had such difficult times from a customer service standpoint with different financial institutions, utility companies, et cetera. We should actually anticipate a wonderful experience <laughs> next time you call AT&T, right? Yeah, see, I think, that, I think to expect a positive experience from AT&T, uh, Verizon, or CenturyLink is that's delusional, Jack. Yeah, ooh, forgot about <laughs> CenturyLink. They're they're at the bottom of the li- or the top of the list for the worst. But uh, yeah, but now that's something that you experience and you, you you can anticipate a positive experience. But chances are, because of the way business is conducted, you're not going to have a a positive experience. It, it is what it is. So some of these things absolutely are are measurable, and others are just practical experience. And it was either you know whatever it might be, either had a positive experience or a negative experience. I'll tell you something. I didn't expect yesterday. I went clothes shopping, and uh, that's one of my least favorite things to do in the whole wide world. But when it comes to clothes shopping. You really can't do that because you have to take into account, do you find something that you actually like? And then the big thing for most of us, especially me, is will it fit? So even if you find a piece of clothing or or a pair of shoes that you like, doesn't mean you can find one that'll fit you properly. So on a positive note, Ryan, I'm glad to report that yesterday I went out and amazingly, with no preconceived notion other than knowing a history of my whole life, I've had a difficult time buying clothes. I actually went out yesterday and I found two pair of jeans and three shirts for a very good value. And they all fit without having to have alterations made. So there's positive news right there. And I, I mean, I experience, I think we all experience positive things, Jack, that we don't even recognize. I mean, the fact that even if life isn't that great perceptually, you still have a place to live. You still have food. That's saying more than a large percentage, a majority of the rest of the world's population. And that's right. A, that's but I think a positive you have to be thing. careful with, with lowering the bar, lowering the bar, the standard, you know, uh, that's almost the opposite of, or, or maybe I'm getting this analogy wrong, but when, when you look at things that that's almost like uh, Sedona, right? Oh, everything's wonderful. Everything's wonderful. Well, you talked about life expectancy, for example, and how that's increased over the last number of decades. I don't, I don't deny that. That that's probably accurate. Uh, however, Relatively. for those that believe, yes. However, for those that believe in the Bible, uh, then it has reports of people used to live hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. So now. Is that such a positive thing that we're living to be 70 years old when supposedly people used to live to be 700 years old? <laughs> well, you know what? I, I, I know that uh, the first thing you said there, the, the former thing, when I'm talking about being appreciative of what you have, I, I've, I prefaced that earlier in the first segment tonight by saying but that doesn't mean that we should be happy or we should be content with the artificial and, and the synthetic things that are done to reduce our quality of living. And I guess to be more specific about that, it's like, for example, uh, you know, heating and cooling. It, it, it takes a lot more energy to keep people warm in the, in the winter. So when you mm-hmm. cut off energy, when you have blackouts like California in the name of the green environmental thing, by a green, a green environmental movement, 
Um, it limits, like in Texas, when you saw that big storm and they cut the power and a lot of people died. People are dying from cold at a higher rate than people that are dying from heat. So when you cut off their power and they can't run their air conditioner um, when it gets hot or they can't heat their house when it gets cold, that affects well, that affects heat and cold deaths. But especially in the wintertime, if they can't heat their home, people tend to die. People don't tend to die as much in the summer as they die in the winter. And that's something that we have to recognize as a result of either intentional sabotage or it's a result of just totally negligent negligence on the, on behalf of, of, of government officials. Um, but th- th- I guess the point I'm getting at here, Jack, is when you think about what is positive or negative and understanding the, the context of your current living situation, that's great. But when people say, hey, we're going to make it better, and then they do things that actually make it worse, it's against that information that we're getting. We're being told it's better, but it's actually getting worse and it becomes the perspective and the perception that we have. It, I mean, like, let's look at this. The Lancet published, a, there was a study published in the Lancet in 2015. They looked at 74 million deaths around the world, 13 countries. And they find that around the world, there are 17 deaths from cold compared to every single death from heat. So way more people die from cold than heat. So when government says, hey, you can't have a heater in the winter because of climate change and the green movement that is actually leading to more people suffering and more people dying. So again, back to what you were saying, I know that I'm going off on a very long uh, rant here, but back to what you're saying about uh, the con- being content and uh, almost accepting mediocrity. Um, I don't think it's doing that by recognizing we have it really good, but we should ex- be expecting things to get better by we, we want power, we want energy, we want more food, we want all of the abundance that is available in the world. We don't want to be content with just where we are. And we want that abundance, or at least I think I do, I think you do, I think everybody listening does. You want that abundance to be extended to everybody else. Because if, yeah. we, if we just become content, you're right, that's a very negative thing and it drags everybody else down with us. Well, how about peace? You know, how about social issues? I mean, what you mentioned with power and energy and that, those are somewhat considered material things. Um, But how about a better world to be positive where there's peace, for example, complete peace and harmony. So I don't think that side of it. I don't think that that's realistic, though, myself. That's where we might disagree. Well, Well, I'm not saying whether it's realistic or not. I'm just saying that's a quality of life issue, right? You're referencing, you know, energy, weather, and things like that. Mm-hmm. I want to just go back a little bit, just a, a bit. and uh, we got about a minute and a half left, you know, by the way, but go yeah, ahead. No problem. Um, I try to, on a regular basis, offer gratitude for everything I take for granted. Okay? Um, so I get where you're coming from there, that we should be grateful for the, for the little things, every, every breath. Of, of air, every, every step I take, et cetera. And I try not to take those things for granted, but I also believe that we should be provided with the basic necessities in life. And unfortunately we live in a world that is not only regulated with taxes and licenses and everything else. We're not really free, but we're, we're in a situation here where you pay to live. That's the bottom line. You pay to live. So 
is the quality of life better because people have two BMWs in their car instead of one or instead of none, or they have a bigger house. So it really comes down to how you perceive quality of life as well. Well, the quality people generally think they're successful. If the more possessions they have and more material wealth and material things that they have, that life is better. I don't look at life that way. No, I don't. I I march to a different drummer on that front. No, I don't either. But when you look at the conditions of humanity in recorded recent history, I mean, even uh, slave populations in the deep South in the early, uh, well, I said late colonial days, uh, we have uh, conditions that a lot of writers and historians uh, made note of were actually better. It's not justifying slavery, but those conditions were better than peasants in Europe. Um, we've gone from indentured servitude and slavery to the ending of these things in large parts of the world. That's making life better for people, regardless if they have a big house and a BMW or if, if they live basically in, in poverty. Uh, you know, And poverty can be a subjective thing based on how much money you make, etc. Just more things to explore when we come back from break. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Jack, my good friend and co-host, is with us. There's a lot more after this. Don't go anywhere. Stay with us. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings, or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, grab a physical and digital copy of his books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. Visit thesecretteachings.info. People ask me all the time what they can do to take control of their lives when facing a daily onslaught of dis and misinformation. I say take control of your body and mind with water filtration. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on our affiliate sponsor link with Pro One Water Filters at the top of the page to search for a water filter for the home, camping trip, and even the shower. They filter countless contaminants and make a wonderful gift for friends, family, and yourself. That's Pro One Water Filters at thesecretteachings.info. The Secret Teachings radio show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. If you'd like to hear more of The Secret Teachings, if you missed a show or part of a show, sign up to the ever-expanding archive at thesecretteachings.info. When you subscribe for a month or a year, you get access to the full show archive to every show after it airs. You can download and stream unlimited episodes and share your login with friends or family. With your subscription, you can also get access on the website to all of Ryan's digital books and the ever-growing montage archive. Just visit thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donate Subscribe tab at the top of the page. Use the secure PayPal link and start your membership today. By subscribing, you support the secret teachings, Ryan, and yourself. 
Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows. Keep listening with your host, Ryan Gable. Think about your hero when you're at ground zero and crawl out to the fall out back to me. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of the secret teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Hi everyone, this is Mark Passio, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Tonight on The Secret Teachings, my good friend and co-host Jack is with us. Positivity and negativity, sort of the underlying theme we discussed with Anthony Tyler last night. You know, when you remove negativity as you perceive it, that is, positivity gets corrupted pretty quickly because if you don't have anything to compare it to, you lose the context, the perspective, and everything sort of becomes gray. You get lost in this middle ground, this abyss, this purgatory. And as we approach Halloween, a lot of people think Halloween is scary, but when you look at the origins of the traditions, it's not actually that scary. It's quite the opposite. It's about venerating nature and venerating life, and like the Day of the Dead or the Hungry Ghost Festival in Asian countries. It's a very positive celebration of life by using the symbols of death to remind us that death could happen at any time. So we should probably use the time we have to better the world and help other people, etc. All of this is positive, I think, in the real sense of the word. I think that word has been redefined. It's been used to create a counterculture going back to the 1960s. I think New Ageism is an extension of that. Call it flower power, whatever you will. And I think that, as Americans in particular, we have it so good, we don't really have any context or perspective on how not good a lot of the rest of the world has it. That doesn't mean we should be content or we should be happy with mediocrity. That doesn't mean we should be content or happy with rising costs of living or food cost increases or certain things at the grocery store not being available. I mean, we should recognize, well, I mean, they don't have item A, but they still have items B through Z. And I mean, if you're a conservative and you don't have an item at the store, it's probably Biden's fault and supply chain issues, which a large large part of it is. But if you're a, a liberal or a Democrat, it's probably climate change. That's why they don't have your favorite piece of fruit at the grocery store. But the reality of the situation is you still have a huge abundance. Now, my perspective, my personal view, not my opinion, my opinion um, is, I don't think really relevant to this, but my personal view, which maybe you think that is an opinion perhaps, but it's just the way that I see things and the way that I feel is that I want, this is why it's not an opinion, I desire, I want there to be more than just A through Z at the store. I want there to be A through Z Hundreds of times over. I want super duper, ultra super mega hyper duper marts. I want an abundance of food that's so unbelievably diverse, kind of like Wegmans is, that I don't know what to do with myself. I want there to be so much wealth that I don't know what to do with it. 
And I want that to be available to everybody. Some people are exploiting not only resources and exploiting the control of information, therefore people's perception and behavior. They're exploiting data. They're exploiting the scientific process to advance an agenda of scarcity and nothingness. And it's always some other political party's fault or it's the fault of climate change while they geoengineer and genetically engineer and tell us we got to stop this war on nature, as was said at the uh, UN summit a few weeks ago. We must stop this suicidal war on nature. Meanwhile, in the next sentence, we are working on the nanotechnology and and the neurological things that allow us to control the body and the brain. Well, that's a suicidal war on nature, isn't it? Positive things. I think it's positive. Life expectancy has doubled. Literacy has more than doubled. Poverty has has plummeted all in the last hundred years. And as we were talking about before the break with our good friend and co-host Jack, we're talking about the idea of, of complacency and being content. But, you know, when you look at the rest of the world, just in the last 50 years, let alone the last 100, 150 years, uh, recent recorded history... People on average around the world for thousands of years, just really until the the turn of the 19th century, lived in not only poverty and mass and illiteracy, but in servitude, in slavery, indentured servitude, etc. It was Western civilization that actually ended that. It was uh, European philosophers that ended that. And that's a positive thing that we're not told about. And all of that is subverted and pressed into a trash bin, like a trash compactor. Just get rid of it. And the people that are doing that clearly want what we call slavery, indentured servitude, etc., to be a mainstay of society because it gives them power. They're like the nullifiers of the U.S. Constitution, the nullifiers, John C. Calhoun and others, that were the foundation for the ideology in 1828 for the creation of the Democratic Party. The, the reason for it was to create a segregated hierarchical society to maintain rather the one that had existed for thousands of years around the world. That's what we're seeing today. That's why drug use and sexualization and homelessness and these things are not only being allowed to occur in a civil society, they're being encouraged and incentivized because when they talk about equality, they're talking about everybody being equally poor. And that's a really scary thing when you think about it. So, Jack, poverty, literacy, life expectancy, all of these things have changed. We have it really good in the United States. We don't really have a perspective on how good that is. But we shouldn't be content with mediocrity. We shouldn't be content when politicians and corporations and big banks do things that are negative and bad. It's really just the exploitation of, and the exploitation really going back to 1984 and George Orwell, it's the exploitation and the destruction of human labor. That's what funds and finances and energizes the state. So we need to understand, this is the point of tonight's show, I hope that we can understand the perspective and the flow of information matters because when we look at all these official sources of, of, of data, you don't have to believe them, but they're telling you one thing and the data shows something completely different. And all of this is creating a completely weightful and for lack of a better word, negative perception of, of, of reality. I, I, you know, talking about prosperity, Ryan, in my mind, there's absolutely no reason that everyone on the face of the earth couldn't live in prosperity. 
It, it should not be the haves and the have nots. And if people were uh, able to live their lives as they truly wished and humanity was able to advance as probably most people on the face of the earth would like it to advance, we would live in a, in a experience where everyone had prosperity because there is enough for everybody. There's no question. There's no shortages of power. And again, suppressing technologies, not making them available to the, the people I mean, obviously, we're, it's all orchestrated. There's no question about it. So it's unfortunate. And, and again, I'm no, I know you always like to say, well, I don't think that's realistic. That could never happen. That, that, I mean, it could happen. Will it happen? Most likely not. But, 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 in order to- but there's no reason that it couldn't because people really wanted to share with all the resources that this wonderful planet has to offer. We could all live very comfortably. No question about it. Well, yes, There's I think abundance of everything. I think what we disagree on is in order to have that state of existence, what you're referring to as you're saying peaceful or something to that effect, right? Well, peaceful and just there's no reason that everyone shouldn't have a, a, ni- a, a nice house to live in and drive a car that works yeah, but, and have food on the table. But somebody, somebody has to make that car, though. Somebody has to build that house, though. And if, I mean, if you're not doing it, you're going to have to find a way to compensate other people to, to build it. I mean, some people do live in communes, et cetera, and they, they take care of each other. And that's great. I mean, that's real community living and there's nothing wrong with that. It's my problem is when you talk about the idea of peace or utopia or something to that effect and everybody having these things, that's still based on a very materialistic view of the world in my view. And what it does is it implies that, Somebody needs to make that car for you. Somebody needs to build that house for you. And if you don't have the money to pay them, then it should just be done anyway. And I think that attitude or that mindset or that, that ideology, although I get where it's coming from, I think it's been highly politicized. I think it's been used as a weapon because it sounds really great. But at the same time, it's convincing people of uh, it's convincing people not to live uh with, in my view, maybe you disagree with this, I'd love to hear what you think, responsibility. Because it's your responsibility to find those things, not other people's to do it for you. Right. Okay, Ryan, but people aren't given the opportunity to do those things. This is a manipulated world. It's We're controlled. We're manipulated. The, the people that are at towards the top of the pyramid, they own a majority of the wealth. It shouldn't be that way. It doesn't have to be that way if these, uh, shall we say, global elitists were removed from society and society could grow. Look at all of the inventions that are being suppressed that could greatly help humanity. Going back to Tesla and free energy over 100 years ago. So if if our society wasn't controlled, which it is controlled, you know that, and it and if it wasn't manipulated, and hum, humans were given their own on their own volition to create the world in which they truly wanted to live, 
all of the things you're talking about would fall to the wayside because we would have the technology and the inventions and everyone would have access to them and they wouldn't be controlled and kept from society and kept from the population. Well, so we, we do. that's how it could, it could be achieved. But when we're controlled to the extent that we are and people accept that, then we have what we have. Well, we do have technologies, although I agree with you, a lot of things have been absolutely suppressed to create a state of artificial scarcity and to create a, a synthetic narrative of reality and what's available and what and what people can access. But, you know, just the last 10 years, you know, we've seen uh, people go from having no phones to everybody's got a phone, at least one phone, maybe two phones, three, four TVs in their houses. That's I mean, if you want to. Well, you want to define well, success or prosperity, but by those means, things have gotten a lot better for a lot of people, even though there might be a giant gap in terms of wealth and possessions. A lot of this is how we interpret it and how we perceive it. Well, and remember, selfishness is promoted as well and glorified. So we're, we're so yes. dysfunctional. Society is so dysfunctional, so far gone. Yes, are there still good things that happen in the world? Absolutely. Uh, is there s still situations with genuine love and caring? Yes. But is it a is it a balanced playing field? I would say not. Well, when you think about people that have a lot of wealth, this is what I always tell people when I think of Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos. I don't care how much money Jeff Bezos has, or I don't care how much money Elon Musk has. If Elon Musk wants to build a space station, let him build a space station. If Jeff Bezos wants to you know, build a space station, let him build a space station. The issue is, and I don't know how I feel about Elon Musk, but let's put Elon Musk into the category of the good guy for one minute. Let's say Elon Musk is a good guy. Let's say he's not buying Twitter to get the data for his Optimus robot. Let's say he really wants there to be a platform of open, free discussion. And that's what he truly, honestly believes. Well, I don't care if he has hundreds of billions of dollars. If that's what he believes, that makes, in my view, that makes him a good person who is really, truly, sincerely trying to make the world a better place and allowing people to have uh, an equality in terms of how they converse and share information. That's good. It doesn't matter how much money he has. On the other hand, if Jeff Bezos, to put him into the bad guy category, if he's using his money to influence politics and to control people's perceptions of reality, then again, it doesn't matter how much money he has. He's still a bad guy. The money doesn't really matter. The wealth doesn't really matter in those material ways. What matters is what the person does. Does that make sense? Yes. But, but again, let's just say that the media promoted caring about each other and making the world a better place. And that was a common theme that was promoted every day, 24-7, like all of the negativity they bombard us with, okay? And that was the mindset that was instilled into people, and we were given the true freedom to be able to um, create a better society and a better community, a better neighborhood, instead of this dog-eat-dog -dog mentality and look what I have, it sucks to be you. There's no question this could be a completely different experience. So a lot of this then is... That it, it, I'm not saying that it's going to happen or anything like that. I'm just saying every day, if positive things were presented through the media, through Facebook, on the TV news, on the radio news, in newspapers, on websites, 
we're, we're all here pulling, pulling on the same rope to try and make the world a better place. That's why we're here. And if that was the mindset, well, if yeah, there's no if, question that it, it would happen, well, it well, would absolutely happen. Well, that's if, and that's, and that's not going to right. happen because if you have, well, now I, you're being negative. No, no, no. I don't think, that. I don't think it's negative. I think it's the, the idea of peace and harmony and everybody living. I mean, if you want to have a small community, great, but even in a small community, you're going to have disagreements. I'm not saying that you're promoting the idea that nobody's going to disagree. I'm saying that generally speaking, when you have this idea of everybody getting along, everything being peaceful, everything being loving, that's great. But conceptually, um, although it might make sense, it's not very practical because it means that people are going to be forced to have views they don't want to have. They're going to be forced to believe things and say things and do things that they don't actually believe, think or want to do, even if it's under the guise of peace and everybody benefits and everybody that that becomes a collectivized hive mind where nobody has free thought, free expression or the ability to produce anything that they want to produce. It becomes what's best for the collective. And to me, that isn't free, free will in any sense of the word. And that isn't really freedom in any sense of the word. Go ahead. Do you think that a majority or a minority of people on the face of this earth have a good heart? I think a majority have a good heart or think they have a good heart. <laughs> well, that's, that's different. Um, but again, look at all the, you know, again, there's just so many people on the face of this earth that are just beaten down. And so many people in third world countries and around the world that struggle for survival every day. Just, just look at video from some of these Asian countries or Bangkok or probably Mexico City where there's just you know, people are just living on the street, little shanties and huts. And, you know, it just turns my stomach when I see video like that, the way people, yeah, but why it's in the government control. Well, it, well, exactly. But and see, overpopulation or not, not over, uh, what, what's your term? Not overcrowding, overcrowding designed, you know, for these major cities. Um, it, it's, it's an embarrassment for humanity that the, the people on the face of this earth have to live the way that they have to live to struggle for survival. But that's every, everything in everything in nature, though, does struggle for survival, to be fair. Does it not like animals, not pl- plants? Mm, I wouldn't say that they struggle because uh, they however animals think, however they live which by the way, scientists know how animals think. That's another one I always question. Oh, really? How do, how do they know how, how that, a bear thinks? That, or uh, that, yeah, that I agree but, with you on. That's but, ludicrous. But, but look, <laughs> they, 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 you know, hawk sits up in the tree day after day and it, and it looks down for a mouse or a, or a, or a snake to eat or whatever. And, uh, they survive day after day. I wouldn't say they struggle but, for but survival, the, but the mouse doesn't, if the mouse is getting eaten by the snake or the snake is well, getting that, eaten by that, the bird. That's the dysfunction of this actuality that we live in. That, I don't you know, know. We have talked, we had to show about this as a predatory society, but it's really, uh, uh, this world is predatory. It's predatorial. Well, you know, so may, maybe this is where we, we diverge again, because I feel that the predator is necessary to a certain degree because without the predator, people become complacent. I mean, the predator is a natural. And How do you know people would become complacent in what capacity? What are you talking about? 
look, I mean, look around you, look at, look at people that have access to all the technologies that they didn't build. You didn't build your fancy car. You didn't build, I didn't build my computer, my cell phone. I mean, these things, they, they allow us to communicate, to travel, to do radio shows. It's, it's great, wonderful technology. But what do some people use it for? They use it to consistently and constantly watch porn, scroll through Instagram, uh, and it, that dumbs you down literally, but it also has other effects on the body and mind. Why is that? Because people have been conditioned. They've been in conditioned to think that way. That's why. Wait, wait, hold on. Think, to think what way? To think what way? To think that they need to have the latest Xbox and to think that porn is acceptable. And it's promoted that way. Yeah, but what I'm we, saying, I'm saying what, the technology that's what the system does is conditions people. We're, but I'm saying, Jack, the technology itself. So you can use I mean, it's like the old argument with a hammer or with a gun. I can use a hammer to kill a homeless person or I could use a hammer to help build them a house. I can use a gun to defend myself and my family or I can go into a bank and shoot the teller and take the money. It's about how you how you use the information, how you use the tool or how you use the technology. So to your question, how would you know people become complacent? Because look around back in the 50s after World War II, they told uh, housewives in particular that if you get these MRE type meals, these frozen TV type dinners, it'll give you so much more time to spend with your family. But with all the technological developments, all the things that are available just to the mundane average person. People are spending less time with their family. We've gotten to a point now where they just tell us families are bad, kids are bad, abort babies after three weeks after they're born. We've gone in the completely opposite direction. In my opinion, in my view. Why have we? Why? Because we've conditioned, we've been conditioned to, to think that that's the norm and that's acceptable. When they first introduced um, uh, cakes, instant cakes, uh, you know, like uh, Betty Crocker and all that. Yes. That was not well received by the women. No, it wasn't. Mothers. You're right. It wasn't. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're and, right. And and the only way that they were able to, to the, the corporations that were able to pull that off is because then they made a mix that required that uh, the, it, it, the recipe required that you put an egg in it. And that's what, this is true. No, I know, I know this. I think, okay, now I feel like it is homemade. (laughs) I'm cooking now. put an egg in it, but if I just add water, they didn't feel like they were, you know, doing their service to their family. So it all comes down to conditioning and what people think is acceptable. Well, I think, I think it goes. to do this, or it's cool to do that, or look what the celebrities do. But that's advertising and marketing. But that's advertising and marketing. I think it goes, it goes to a. There's there's another that's base a big part of it, it it's, because that's all spin too. But all the ads that you look at, they're all bullshit. But it's Jack, it's bullshit. not it's not just conditioning though. It's about how you have a value system. What is your value system? Because there are plenty of women today and men, for that matter, who look at those kinds of things and think that's probably. I mean, maybe I'll use it if I if I really am in a rush. But I want to go back to the basics. I want to actually cook for my family. Like I'm one of those people. I cook every single day. This is 2022. I'm cooking every single day. I don't. I have a mindset that's back in like the 1950s. But is that promoted within society? No. It's well, some some do, but Burger not much. King. It's promoted to go to Taco Bell. But that's the, that's the necessary that's the necessary predator though, because if people are just given everything, even if it's not manipulated, if you're just given everything, you don't learn how to earn it. You don't learn how to 
earn. You don't have the experience to learn how to cook or learn how to take care of yourself. Yeah, there can be assistance offered. I get what you're saying 100% with the manipulation aspect, but I do think that is a psychological predator that is necessary to actually help people advance. Because for, for for me, Jack, if I wouldn't have... If I wouldn't have taught myself the things I'm, I, I, I've learned over the years and, and developed an interest, I would just be the same old average Joe on the street. That would, I, I mean, at this point, at I'd probably be homeless. A, so you're looking at it from what I call a 3D perspective. So what if, if, you know what, if everyone on the face of the earth did have it cozy and comfortable, doesn't mean that society wouldn't be productive. Well, it depends on how you define cozy, we, we comfortable, and productive. We don't know how people would respond if they weren't indoctrinated to this insanity. No, no, no. We do. We do. It's behavior and morals or lack thereof. But Jack, it's human. It's human nature. Once we have the basic things that we need, like the Maslow hierarchy of needs. Once we have the food, the water, the shelter, the sex, the entertainment. Essentially, I don't know if entertainment's always included, but once we have those things, we become complacent. That's one of the reasons that we, we don't know that. No, we do know that. That's why human people nature. have become morbidly. Ma- this, that, that's a dangerous, dangerous term. Jack, this is why nature. people this is why people have become so morbidly, massively obese and unhealthy in the last 50 years when we didn't see that 50 years ago. It's because we have so much availability of food and you can get it anytime, any time of the day, any time of the night. You can order it, have it delivered to your house. There's no work or effort put into obtaining it like you would have to go hunt or have to go forage that's, or have to cook for yourself. Right. So that leads to complacency. Because that's because this is the simulation in which we live. That's my point. But it's still but but to answer your question, though, and your point to the mindset of 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 souls that come into this world. And if if let's say that, for example, that every every um, soul, if you want to call it that, every person, every I don't even like that word, every man and woman, boy and girl that brought into this world. Got about a minute. Let's say that they went to a mystery school. And they learned all of the teachings of what occurs in a mystery school, all right? All things about what the world is really about, what's life really about, right? Mean The, the true meaning of life, our, our origins. You telling me that you don't think the world would be a different place and you would say that your definition of whatever human nature is wouldn't be completely different? Well, it's still, no, I believe that there is human nature. Human nature can be interpreted as negative or it could be interpreted as positive there are certain things that once we achieve them we have a a a good feeling we 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 feel like we've accomplished something and that's a positive thing that drives us forward to continue to obtain those achievements and build something and grow if it's just given to us it's different when you're teaching And, and and this is something that you're right has been eliminated we don't teach about merit we don't teach about uh morals and values and that's That's something that maybe we can get into more in the last segment. And there's a lot more of of, of some of this other stuff uh, that we were talking about earlier I want to get into as well. Again, I'm Ryan Gable. Jack, my co-host, is with me this evening. TheSecretTeachings.info, rdgable at yahoo.com, rdgable at yahoo.com. More after this, the music, White Bat Audio. Don't go anywhere. This is Freddie Silva, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio with your host, Ryan Gable. Thanks for being very knowledgeable. It's a, it's a pleasure to have someone who actually understands the subject matter that uh, he's discussing. 
You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. Hey, this is John Peasy at johnpeasy.com, and I'm here with Ryan Gable from The Secret Teachings. So it's taken months, but my new book, Liberty Shrugged, is finally available. Nearly 700 pages with archived images. It will leave you fascinated and wanting more. See, hatred for America and the Constitution is based on misconceptions of history and the rule of law. Charges of racism, sexism, and bigotry don't hold up to history in context. They stem from nullifiers who wanted to replace the Constitution and maintain hierarchy, as with the Confederate Constitution, which aimed to preserve the institution of slavery. But racism was not the foundation of that institution. It was a final justification to defend an institution which had existed forever and for which Western civilization and colonialism was actually taking steps to end. Africans and Arabs organized slave trading far exceeding anything in the Atlantic, and some continue to this day. Also, a woman's role in household duties was as systemic as a man's role in the legislature or on the battlefield. Indian tribes, when they weren't at war with one another, were choosing sides with the Europeans. See, we can't address history from the air-conditioned seats of a progressive university and pass judgments on men, women, and events that we know nothing about. My book, Liberty Shrugged, attempts to dispel countless historical, cultural, and social myths in order to find an objective understanding of history, the present, and the future. It's Liberty Shrugged at www.thesecretteachings.info. I hope you'll get a copy today for yourself, for your friends, for your family. I think you'll really enjoy it. If anyone can hear this broadcast, I'm still on Earth. This is the frequency of Ground Zero Radio, Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis, and The Secret Teachings with myself, Brian Gable. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence, David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm the last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Thanks, Ryan. This is David Knight with thedavidknightshow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teaching. Broadcasting from somewhere between the normal and abnormal. A collection of question marks. No reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare in which fear, loneliness, and the unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. This is the Secret Teachings Radio. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. My good friend and co-host Jack is with us this evening. I don't think life is really that bad. I don't think we should eliminate negativity. I think if we eliminate negativity, it actually corrupts positivity. We end up in this purgatory-like state of existence. A lot of what we think is evil and scary, I don't think is that evil and scary, but there are certainly evil people in the world. And I think that evil has a right to exist. And I think that Demons have a right to exist, conceptually, that is. 
I think that the predator has a right to exist because if it aren't for if it isn't for these things that are driving us to better ourselves and to defend ourselves and to protect ourselves and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, I feel like we tend to stagnate. And I'll give you a, a good example. I write books and I host this radio show and every time I am done with the show, I've written four uh, major books. When I'm done with writing those books and even when I do updates to them or adjust something, I feel accomplished. And that accomplishment makes me want to do it again. And it makes me want to, uh, you know, finish my errands and makes me want to cook dinner. I feel accomplished. I feel, you know, even if you're not making the, the most nutritious thing in the world, it, it's, you, it's still an accomplishment and it's a skill that you learn. And that's a positive, good thing, I think. And uh, again, when I finish a radio show, I feel, uh, I feel very good about myself because I've accomplished something. I've done something. And uh, Jack, I don't think that it's a, a, a debatable thing within society anymore. I'm pretty sure everybody kind of knows it, uh, just like we, we call junk food junk food. But if you're staring at a screen all day or you're constantly on an application or a website and you're missing the world around you, I mean, even like with lockdowns and quarantines and house arrest, we know 100% for certain these things cause loneliness, depression, anxiety, stress, which makes you sick. It also causes, in in children in particular, it causes learning disorders. It causes uh, some kids to physically regress. Uh, Some kids that were starting to walk before lockdowns actually now are, are crawling again, according to psychologists and according to uh, people that have, that have um, dealt with children that have uh, been subject to these types of restrictions. So all of that is, I think, evidence and proof that, sure, in agreement with you, there are certainly manipulations. And certainly the negative or the evil, I think, has a right to exist. I think it makes us better. I think it helps us to be better. Um, again, I get what you're saying about the, about the negativity or about the, the manipulation, but I don't always see that in and of itself as negative just because we perceive it as negative. I see it as an opportunity to educate myself and to learn and to grow. And as we were saying right before the break, those are things that we don't teach much in society anymore. We don't teach them in school and regardless of what anybody listening thinks of religion, it's because we've eliminated uh, religious and spiritual practices. And we have a very atheistic, hard scientific view of the world, which eliminates, you know, those things that are defined uh, under the name of God, like morality and ethics and virtue. I think that's the problem. It doesn't mean religion is good generally. It doesn't mean that schooling publicly or even privately is good. But when we eliminate those elements well, those are the kinds of people that grow up and they become the manipulators because they don't, they become, I mean, if you're not born a psychopath, you become a psychopath because you've had empathy removed from who you are. You don't feel those emotions. You're not taught to care about other people. And that does create a worse world, but some people see through that and it's our responsibility to help others see it and to teach the next generation that these are good things rather than bad things. Your thoughts, your comments. Well, I think uh, so many people have been buffaloed in this world, uh, we're all products of our environment. And, uh, there are more specific, um, tendencies that people would take on, uh, from one country to the next, etc. 
Um, but generally speaking, as a rule, from a global standpoint, we're all products of our environment. So let me just pose this question. What do you think the world would be like if the government officials truly had our best interest in mind and truly had society's best interest in mind? Because it's very apparent and obvious that they don't. <laughs> so well, we actually what know if they were we, really we... doing the right thing at that level. Can you imagine what a different society we would live in? Well, if we they know what truly, that... genuinely. We know what that looks like, though. We know what that looks like from contemporary events and from historical events. I mean, regardless of if you agree with certain political parties or certain political views, first of all, we're never going to agree on everything when we're talking about an elected official. But if you look at what some states have done, some states during the pandemic did not shut down, lock down, force people to wear a mask, get a vaccine or close their business. I think we can agree that's a positive thing. And not everybody in that state died in a zombie apocalypse. In fact, states that tended to do that were better off than states that did the exact opposite, like New York or California. So in those cases, you have, I don't know, I'm going to name anybody by, I mean, most people know who I'm talking about, but those I would think are individuals that are generally doing the right thing. Would you agree? In those states, but yet the overall agenda was a corrupt one. Well, yes, but if it, this, but this that's fake, uh, phony, you know, virus that's never been proven to exist. But so. that's why we have states, though, because if if California ruled the whole country or if Washington just ruled everything, then if you have one person making those types of decisions, there's nothing else to protect us. That's why we have individual states and that's why we have governors and we have state legislators, because that separates the but, power but, and it prevents the, yeah. the the tyranny from spreading. So I'm saying that's a contemporary positive thing that we can see today to, to go back to your question. Well, Hey, if all things being equal, yeah, I'd, I'd like to live in Florida. <laughs> you know, although, you know, I did live in Fort Myers and yeah, that's right. Uh, you did. You did. Boy, Ian, uh, well, Ian, you lived in Florida, but uh, Fort Myers got slammed bad. Um, and that's, uh, that's kind of heartbreaking to see because when I, when I saw the videos on, on the news and stuff you know, there's areas that I recognized, you know, I'm like, okay, there's Fort Myers beach, there's the bridge, you know? So, um, but yeah, all things being equal, but, but again, what if, what if that mindset and that attitude, um, for DeSantis was the norm, you know, not the exception. Well, if you had and that, then again, no, no, what, what a, what a wonderful world it would be it would it'd be completely different well then no state would have shut down and but you're never going to find that because i mean states decide to run themselves in different ways whether it's good or bad i mean that's kind of the whole idea of, of, of once you have a rule of law having a democratic process and we throw around ideas and debate ideas and figure out what's best and what works for people because you know humans are not perfect in that sense so we have everybody has a good idea will has an idea we'll see what's good we'll see what's bad but, but if you go back a few hundred years, let's say to the founding of the United States, I'm not saying that every founding father, likewise, was a saint, was a good person. That's very relative and very, very, very um, subjective. But all the wealth that we have today and all the power that America has today, all the businesses, all the success, all the people that want to pour into this country for opportunity aren't doing it because this is a fascist, racist, sexist country. They're doing it because our founding fathers 
gave us an opportunity to be free from strict one-size-fits-all tyranny from a king or from a queen or from an emperor or empress. It gave us an opportunity to have a separation of powers in a way that had never been really tested before. And it gave us an opportunity to have a free market of ideas and thought. And it puts both citizens and government and citizens and government in regard to other countries on an equal ground by allowing citizens to be armed, to protect themselves from government, from others in society, and from, as a collective, from other countries. That's another reason we have a right to defend ourselves in those ways. And a right to not be, uh, you know, put through a Soviet show trial. Uh, so those are very positive things that were really and still are really new in human history. These types of things had never been tried before. But the manipulators call them the nullifiers in the 1800s that wanted to nullify the Constitution. They wanted to keep segregation and slavery. Or call them globalists and elitists today. Psychopaths. That's psychopaths, Yes. That's why people don't like the idea of America, because it gives everybody an opportunity. And we tend to forget and, that. And that's what the whole world should have. Right. Well, ex well, exactly. I'm not uh, saying America is perfect by any means, no. but I'm saying the ideas, but the you, philosophy you removed, of John Locke, that has led the yeah. world to a better place. You removed the psychopaths from a completely different world, completely different. And much, much, much more favorable. By the way, I don't know if you did a show on this. You probably did a show or two. Um, but if not, can we have a moment of silence for the Queen, Reptilian Queen Elizabeth, please? I did a, a, I a, a two-hour show of silence. It was just okay. dead air. <laughs> <laughs> what, what a dog and pony show that was. Well, we, we, had a, we had a break at the top of the hour, and then I played God Save the Queen. So it was a good yeah. show. Yeah, <laughs> I should do that. I should just upload two hours of silence as a, <laughs> as a memorial to the queen and then just put like a thousand ads in it. Yeah, that's actually a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> I might I might do that. But but you know, the, the idea, though, is we are getting as a civilization, as humans, we are moving forward in science, technology, engineering, philosophy, human rights, etc. And I, th I well, think. Oh, go ahead. I'm go sorry. Ahead. Just, you know, your whole point of um, let's just say that these things, instead of putting negative spin on them, if it just all of the things you've mentioned, if the information was presented in a positive vein, which is the whole theme of this show, right then and there, how different would the world be? Well, right, exactly. The, the, the context know, of the information. Let, let's say that the, the, the majority of the, okay, so now the way that the media is controlled, the negative aspect dominates, right? Doesn't mean that the positive side of that study or research, whatever it might be, isn't out there. But what's focused on it and what is generally presented to the public is the negative, you know, fear mongering spin on things. So even if they if that focus changed and if the, the, the majority of the time the lead story was, you know, that there are less hurricanes now or all the things that you mentioned, the positive things, how how the world isn't as bad as it's been depicted. Just flip that coin over mm -hmm. and it would be a different place, too. Well, that's why I like more enjoyable place, I, you know, world to, in which to live. I agree with you, Jack. Because and that's the why mindset of people would, it would be different. It would be a positive mindset, not a negative fear mongering, stressed out, 
society. Well, that's why I like the work of Bjorn Lomberg. I, I sent you the article that he wrote. It's a really good article from the Herald in Scotland. He writes a lot of articles. He's the president of the Copenhagen Consensus and a visiting fellow at Stanford University's Hoover Institute. Pretty sure that's where uh, Thomas Sowell was also uh, active. Uh, but he, he has documented extensively uh, a lot of this information about weather and environment. He still believes in global warming, but he shows with the data from official sources, he's just taking their data and showing it to people in his books, that uh, according to the IPCC, the UN, etc., not only do they not see uh, rises and floods and more fires and hurricanes and natural disasters and all this stuff, it's all pretty much the same in some cases declining, but if you consider how much wealth has increased across the world, not just in the United States, recently, within the next hundred years, wealth is going to increase much more quicker, much more massively than it did in the last hundred years. So the point is, even with climate change and global warming, if we did nothing, we would still be better off in a hundred years. So focusing on all the negatives and focusing on the lack of context to the statistics and the data is creating a worse world while claiming to save the world from a disaster that isn't even a disaster. Does that make sense? You mean sense? the quality of life would be better for everyone and they wouldn't have to work three jobs just to make ends meet? And by the way, sir, here, here's something that's positive. Social Security announces, announced last week their biggest uh, payment increase, uh, let's see, in hike. Uh, in 40 years. So there's something positive. Well, perhaps, perhaps. But, you know, I was thinking of Social Security recently. I'm not going to be collecting Social Security in my lifetime ever. Probably I have to have another life to collect it. But things like Social Security, it's it's supposed to help people that paid into the system. And that can be uh, used and manipulated for political purposes. And people can invest in the stock market, all, all these things at different political arguments. But I mean, at the end of the day, it, it, it's it's a bureaucratic way. It's a governmental way of taking care of people that have paid into the system. Otherwise, we, we, we probably shouldn't be relying on government to take care of us. We, I mean, if we had those morals and those values, family would take care of us in our, our retired days, if you will. We rely way too much on government to take care of us. We All the government did this. The government will stop relying yeah, on government okay. to take care of you. True, but when they deduct that, those they steal those monies from your paycheck. Oh yes, yes. That's not even a choice, dude. So, you know, okay, I'm trying to get Social Security right now, and it, it hasn't been easy, of course, because it's a you know a government agency, and, and they know who you are. Messed up. And <laughs> so, um, but but uh, so, I'm not saying that. Okay, does that mean I depended on on the government? No, I I didn't have any choice. There's really no way to get around that. Um, but the, hey, it, a positive note: it, it's going going to increase by eight point seven percent in twenty twenty three, the biggest boost in forty years, and uh, that means for the average, it's another hundred and forty dollars per month. But, but of course, but then with the devaluation, security with the devaluation of the dollar, paid. though. What about the devaluation yeah, well, of the dollar then? Because right. then that money becomes negligible. It's, it's irrelevant. Hey, man, I'm trying to snag it so so I can get it before it's all gone. You know, at least I get some of the money that was stolen from me back. <laughs> That's the sort way of. I look at it. Sort so, of. But, yeah, it's all based on your 35 um, most lucrative uh, earning years. And so it, when it says that the average is about 140 months. I don't know how they come up with that because everyone's amount's going to fluctuate. 
based on what their earnings were during their career. But uh, at any rate, um, you know, let's let's keep it positive and <laughs> thank the government for their wonderful contribution back to us. So so think, let's think about it this way. Let's think about it this way. If you have a $2,000 check that you get for the COVID relief and everybody yeah. gets these $2,000 checks, and most of the money in these, I guess they're bailouts in a way, didn't even go to the average person. They went, again, to foreign countries. They went to corporations. They went to politicians. Billions of dollars. You got a few thousand dollars and maybe that helped, maybe it didn't. But then you have to deal with the tax side of that. But also you have to deal with the fact that by printing all this extra money, it's devalued the currency with massive inflation and, and you know everything's based on speculation. You might get more money, but it's not worth as much. You might have a wheelbarrow full of money, but it might only be able to buy a loaf of bread. These are just basic economic terms and basic historical terms uh, that I think are important in that conversation. But I think the real question is, I've always said, when we talk about something like free speech and censorship, Jack, and you think of history, no good guy has ever censored somebody's speech. Nobody in history has ever been the good guy and censored what someone else was trying to say or trying to print or trying to express. So in, in, in regard to that example, not, and this isn't a question to you, it's a rhetorical question to everybody. Would you rather live in an environment where at least, even though it's under attack, you still have some kind of free speech? Or would you rather live in an environment like China, where if you even think it, based on your eye movements and, and your body temperature and, your, and the way your eyes blink, the machines and, yeah. the, and the AI know that you're thinking that and they come and they take you away? I think most yeah. people in their right mind would want the freer expression. So it's not that it's perfect. It's not that there aren't people that are trying to eliminate that from our culture and trying to drive us backwards and nullify advances in, in, in human development. But we're always, it's not perfect. We're trying to make the world better. So on the way to that world that you would like to see where things are much more peaceful, people take care of each other more, we have to just make tiny little steps like the Constitutional Republic of the United States of America is not just an experiment. It's a successful experiment in comparison with all of human history, which is suffering and oppression and tyranny and dictatorship, etc. It's not perfect and people exploit it and people do terrible things in its name, but it's a better world than we had 100 years ago. And if we continue to advance those principles the world in another 50 or 100 years will be even better. And we sh that's what we should be focused on, not what we can create right this second in terms of a perfect world with those parameters. We should be focused on what we can do now with what we have and how we can leave a better world for our friends, our family, for our relatives, etc., our kids, for future generations, which is really the whole point of the Halloween season to, to honor our relatives and, and, and ancestors. But we should be the point is we should be focused on what has worked and then advancing that forward and defending what has worked from all of the nullifiers and all of the globalists and the people that don't want humans to have any kind of freedom of expression, which has been the history of human humans forever. I think it all comes down to quality of life, really. And you can say these things are better. Okay. If there's less hurricanes, um, it, that that might be helpful, you know, so there's not as much damage and lives are not live. There's not lost life. But um, 
you know, some could argue that um, living longer, okay, is that, well, okay, is that a positive thing? Maybe it is, but maybe it's not because sure, if your quality sure. of life sucks, it, why would you want to be here for but, but your, years? But your if quality big, of life. And if you're being, if, if you're in the medical, the United States medical industry uh, and you're subjected to that and you're sick and you're having surgeries and being radiated, then is living longer a good thing? So, again, I'm going to just bring it back to the quality, quality of life and uh, leave it at that. Well, it's so it's a metric that we we try to figure out if we're doing better or worse, if people's quality of life in regard to life expectancy decreased two years over, I mean, actually it has in the United States has actually decreased over the last two, three years. But generally if it had decreased from 36 years, a hundred years ago to 34 years in 2022, something's probably not right. But if if it's, if it's doubling, it's because of the quality of life, because we have, we have access to clean water. We have access to cleaner food. We have access to hygiene and waste disposal. Okay, but okay. So the quality of life would you would you want to live to be a hundred years old, Ryan? Personally, Is that one of your goals. Personally, I'd be okay with living a hundred years. That just gives me more time to read the books I have. Sincerely. <laughs> Uh, okay, but if <laughs> your me, quality of life is bogus for your last 20 years of life and you're sick and you have no energy and your memory's shot and you have to wear Depends diapers, then what's the advantage of living longer? You see what I'm saying? No, no, no. I, to- I totally understand that. I totally understand that. I mean, we you could argue that certain drugs and medications and surgeries and all that helps us to not feel right. pain and all that. But- you know, it's like saying, oh, you know, medicine and, you know, healthcare has gotten so much better in the last 50 years. Not not the way I look at it. It's absolutely, you know, reversed certain, from that, you see? So no, certain things it have. all depends on the perspective of, okay, if there's less hurricanes, less tornadoes, whatever, that's one thing. But as far as some of these other things that have been mentioned, it all comes down to how does that affect the quality of life of each individual and if across the board it's a good thing and there's it's not debatable, great. But again, it's it's kind of what perspective you have on some of well, these th- things. Think no, no, you're right. It's how you define quality of life too, just like prosperity and success and wealth. Because real wealth is not in money. It, right. Real wealth is this microphone and, and the food I have and the guns I have behind me. That's real wealth. Right. And what what you have to do to acquire that wealth, whether it's yes. working three jobs or working 80 hours a week or being a criminal and robbing, you know, 7-Elevens or whatever it might be. So but even people that are things that factor in even people. So think about this. Even people that are working three jobs. I'm not saying that they, these people are lazy. I've had to work two jobs, but I also when I was working two jobs before I, was, I wasn't really working jobs that paid well, not because they were greedy, excuse me, not because they were greedy, but because I was working at crappy little stores. I mean, if I pushed myself to, quote, do better, I might be able to get a better job, which eventually I did. There are some people that they're in, they're in situations where they don't have a lot and they, they're choosing to work all the, they're not choosing, they have to work all these jobs because they're choosing not to advance themselves in a way that will allow them to have even more opportunity. Nobody is stopping you from having the opportunity, whether you're black, white, green, purple, etc., you have the opportunity. It's what you choose to do with it. Some people, unfortunately, are in worse situations. I lived in my car at one point, but I didn't just stay stagnant there, and I didn't want the government to take care of me. I did things that I needed to do to get to where I am now. So a lot of it is personal responsibility. There is, there's nothing stopping somebody from, as, they, as the kids say, Jack, 
living their best life. I mean, and even then, even when I was living in my car, I was, I was still happy living in my car. I still had some money for food. I didn't have to worry about rent. I turn on the radio, listen to the hockey game at night, it, yeah. like a surround sound. Right. It wasn't that bad. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that always amazed me back when, um, you know, the, certainly the Clintons have had a, a, a lot of influence on the negativity of Haiti. Yes. And uh, when they had, I don't know how many years it's been now, 10 years ago, eight years ago, whatever, when they got, uh, Haiti got slammed with the hurricane again. Clinton stole that money. Yeah. And I mean, how many times has that happened to the, those poor people uh, in, on the island of Haiti? I mean, they've just been abused for decades and decades, generations. And then you would see the videos of the cleanup and stuff like that. And it, the, the human spirit of those Haitian people was absolutely incredible because they which were still happy. They were still happy, even though, you know, they'd been dumped on time and time again. So that, that to me was an inspiration. I remember seeing that that yes. was long, yes. you know, many years ago, but I was like, holy cow, look at, they're still smiling. They're laughing you know, even though the system and the Clintons and all these other corrupt officials tried to beat those people down, they couldn't. Well, that's why happiness, prosperity, success, all these things for most people, I think are, if you, if you think about them, how you define them, it's all completely relative to the individual. You know, I could be happy. It's a mindset. Yeah. Yes. I could be happy living in my car, but I'm just as happy now living right. where I am. I mean, so whether I have a lot or I have a little, but there are certain metrics that we use to try to figure out what's happening that we can determine like, hey, more people being able to read and write, which has always been, you know, something that uh, indentured servants and slaves throughout all of human history up until relatively recently have not been able to do. We've gotten 36% of the world uh, with more people now today from reading in uh, the 1950s to 86%. That's a massive increase. We should want literacy. We should want these things. Um, also, a, another positive thing is if you look at uh, Florida, you had mentioned Hurricane Ian earlier real quick, and then we were out of time. You look at Florida. I, I grew up there. So, yeah, I did go through some hurricanes. You lived in Fort Myers. And what you find is more people. So in 1940, 4.4 million people lived on the coast from Texas all the way up from the Gulf, all the way at, uh, up the Atlantic to Maine. 4.4 million people lived on the coast. 60 years later in 2000, that number had increased to 26.6 million as a 600% increase since 1940. More people, of course, live there today than in 2000. So if the same hurricane hits any of those areas, whether it's in the Gulf or the Atlantic, there's going to be more damage. And the process by which we classify that, the cost of the home, cars, items, mm -hmm. all of that increases too with speculation and with the real cost of what we consider to be goods, etc., so if the same hurricane hits today that hit 100 years ago, it's going to cause more damage, even if it's a less strong, weaker hurricane. But the, uh, the, the mm -hmm. thing is, more people have money and wealth to be able to move to those places where, you know, it's probably not a great idea if you're if you're worried about your house getting blown away. So there's more wealth to move there. But then when that wealth gets destroyed, we use that to justify environmental politics that actually takes wealth away from the poorest members of society by stripping away people's access to fuel, stripping away people's access to food, stripping away people's access to energy in general. 
And that is the manipulation. That is the dark stuff. That is the evil stuff that I think you've been advocating for tonight. We're out of time. I'm Ryan Gable. Jack is with us. Jack, any final words? You got like 15 seconds. Uh, check out Messenger of Information, the website, messengerof.info. It's still up and operational. And other than that, I leave with my saying that I say every time, question everything all the time. Well, thank you, Jack, for coming on the show. I'm glad it got a little Thanks heated. Thanks for having me. Thanks for I wouldn't call it heated. <laughs> that was all good. All healthy. Thank you. All right, Jack. You have a good night. Bye-bye. You too. All right, there he goes, Jack. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Please leave us a review on any radio or podcast app or player. Please subscribe to the archive at thesecretteachings.info. Please grab a copy of one of my books. Contact us, rdgable at yahoo.com. My book, The Technological Elixir, has a chapter on a lot of what we discussed tonight. I think you'd really enjoy it. That's The Technological Elixir www.thesecretteachings.info. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. Don't be afraid, be informed, and we'll talk to you on the next broadcast.